Welcome to Any Way You Want It. I'm your host, Kaylin McDuff. I'm an LA-based coach for women who want to create lives based on desire. Here on the show, we like to have real conversations about sex, relationships, and life through talks with everyday people, experts, friends, and everything in between, I give you a plethora of options, different relationship models, new mindsets, perspectives, and paradigms. Listen for what sounds interesting to you and follow that. This is just the beginning of you having a life designed entirely from the specificity of your desire. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Any Way You Want It. Um, I have a real treat for you all today. Um, I am going to have a chat with Alexandra Roxo. Um, hi, Alexandra. Hi. <laughs> hi. It's so good to be with you. Same, same, same. Ah, um, so you know, as y'all know, I have these ways of like finding guests just like in the world. And I always, it's like the experience of, you know, finding guests for this podcast has been such an expansion for me, you know, because I just, I'm like, oh, I just feel it. I'm like, oh yeah, that person, I have desire. Oh my gosh. Would she say yes? I don't know. Let's see. And it's such, it's such a fun journey. And, um, and so recently, you know, I got the hit, I was like, I just, I'm supposed to talk to Alexandra. Um, and so to, to let you all in on who she is, um, she is the author of the book, fuck like a goddess. So you all know with a title like that, I'm so into it. You got to uh, You got to add in the subheader though, just to, oh, you know, which oh is because Which I means- feel like when we picked this book title, I was like, if you don't read the sub t- subheader, you think it's a book about sex, which is totally fine. There's definitely right. a lot in there about mm-hmm. sexual healing and sexual expansion yeah. and claiming of one's sexuality, but it's not a sex manual. So it's like, I told yeah. my editors, I'm like, we got to make sure that the subheader, subheader. is big enough. And it, it right. actually is. So it's fuck like a goddess, mm-hmm. heal yourself, reclaim <laughs> your voice, stand in your power. <laughs> So it's almost like, here's the recipe to fucking like a goddess. First, heal yourself. Second, reclaim Uh your voice, because I know you've been quiet, not really saying the truth and all of that. And third, just stand in it. Stand in who you are, stand in your truth, et cetera. And then the magical happening will occur in which you will fuck like a goddess just by walking into a room. You don't even have to spread your legs open. So, you know, that I'm just, I'm reading you guys, I'm giving you guys the full (laughs) show. Bang for the title. Oh my the gosh. I and a little like, background. No, I so, I so appreciate that distinction, <laughs> you know, because it's like the, um, I find that women, right. They're like, I want to be on this desire based path. And it's like two months in, they're like, why am I not having hot sex yet? You know, right. it's like, oh, it takes a minute to heal all of this stuff that we come with. Yeah. To Mm -hmm. this conversation. And so I just so appreciate like, you know, in the book, how you break it down, like so simply and make it so accessible. 
Oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad that you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, um, for my listeners, Alexandra is also, you know, a healer, um, a goddess herself. And um, <laughs> wow, I don't know. I ask, think so. If you ask some of the Tibetan <laughs> Buddhist teachers, they'd be like, uh, uh-uh, she has no. not graduated from this bardo. She is no way in, in the bardo with the, you know, the yeah. wisdom beings. Like mm-hmm. every day I'm praying to those wisdom beings, like, please, please, please <laughs> help me graduate from the earth realm. Not that I don't love it here, but I would absolutely love to incarnate amongst the gods (laughs) next time. So we'll say aspiring goddess, aspiring, aspiring goddess. Um, and you know, really she supports, uh, women in their own awakenings, like whatever that path is meant to be. Yeah. Um, and so I met, uh, yeah, I met Alexandra here in Los Angeles randomly at cafe gratitude. For those of you who live in LA, you probably know, it's very much are, a meeting place. Yeah. I mean, at least my vegan friends, you know, Cafe G is where it's at. And um, yeah, I was with my partner at the time. And, uh, you know, we who knew Alexandra and we just briefly met. And then I remember leaving that experience. You know, we just chatted for a few minutes, but I thought like, oh, you know, I'm meant to connect with her in some other form, some other way. And 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 really like just the letting go of like, I don't know, we'll just see whatever wants to like right. come through and what's actually resonant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw, I saw you on the internet a few times walking down, walking down internet road. And um, (laughs) I was like, Hey girl, I see you in this online class or community, like wink, wink. Um, But it's so different. It's so different. Like seeing someone in the, in the comments, it's like, it's like you sort of see like their pinky nail or something. Like you're like, oh, that's right. her pinky nail, but that's as intimate as it gets. Right. Maybe totally. even less intimate. Totally. So I'm like, give me the full Alexandra buffet. I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. Thank you. Totally. Well, um, so I want to just give people a little bit of a little bit of context. You know, I know it was not always this way for you. <laughs> So I want to um, just take us back. And I haven't arrived anywhere, just, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm still like, journeying hard here. I am in it. Oh, I, so I mean, appreciate that. In the, be- in, the, in the beauty and epic gratitude. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I probably don't take enough time to go, oh, my God, good job, girl. But yeah. um, well, because just all of the things that are constantly happening in our world are enough to keep us um, aware of all all the levels of suffering at all times, you know? So it's like, I think that there's like the relative human journey, which is really relative, like, yay, I had a shitty car and I'm a nice car. And then it's like, <laughs> but I'm still, ex- I'm still this being, I still have the same struggles. I still have the same karmic debts, wounds, you know, they're sort of ripening and moving and shaking, but, you know, the external doesn't necessarily always reflects so much I believe you know the the magic of someone's internal world or sometimes the people that have the most internal world the most beautiful vibrant kaleidoscopic internal worlds of peace and happiness like you look at them from the outside and we would go they look kind of weird or kind of fat or kind of poor or whatever right so anyway so I'm just saying 
You don't, oh. you never know. You never there's know, girl. No, there's nowhere to get to. <laughs> no, there's just not. There's just not. Yeah. That's such a, um, that is such a beautiful reminder. Thank you so much. I mean, and there is somewhere to quote unquote get to if it, depending on where, what path you're on and where you're going. So not to get all sort yeah. of ab- abstract and existential right. on you, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like there in yeah. the relative, like if I have to poop, I need to get somewhere. I need to get yeah, to the bathroom. Need to get there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, and then I've got there and I'm like, good job. So <laughs> in a really relative space, there are places to get. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's funny because our, our, um, our, our human conversation, the way that we relate to each other is based on certain social norms and conditions. And so even that creates limits and creates, um, uh, not expectations, what's the word? It creates, yeah, I guess it's like expectations, right? Or um, assumptions, you know, maybe like, oh yeah, I assume that we're speaking the same language, Mm -hmm. right? Like that. And then then someone would be like, no, that's not what I think of as happiness or peace. Anyway, sorry to to go off on a tangent here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like, we all have a different uh, lens. And I think such a big part of this work and being on this path is to deconstruct all of those, you know, out exterior lenses of other people's values and actually looking at exactly what's our own values. Yeah. What is my version of happiness? What is my version of awakening look like? You know, right. And not assume that just because we're in the same yoga class or just because we're in the same plant medicine ceremony that we have the same values because we may not at all. (laughs) We may not. No, right. no, no, no. Okay. Oh, interrupted right. you. I think you okay, were asking no, me a question. Oh no, it's all good. Oh yeah. So, you know, just give us a little, a little taste of where you came from and like how you even got on, how you got on this path. Yeah. 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 Um, so I blasted out of my mother's vaginal canal back in 1984 in Miami. And, um, uh. you know, I, it's interesting. I, I was reading this this um, Tibetan Buddhist book the other day, and because I study that a lot, and it says that when we are about to incarnate, and this is for those of you all who believe in kind of reincarnation or maybe are at least open to considering it, that um, you know you're you're existing kind of as pure consciousness, and that you are attracted to sort of the sexual karma of the father. And that's what draws your consciousness into choosing those parents. I mean, so, 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 so the, of the parent of the opposite gender. So Mm -hmm. essentially that my karma from whatever, wherever I came before and the lessons I needed to learn, um, I chose, you know, my father and his um, sort of sexual energy, uh, his sexual karma, his essentially essence in that regard, right? That the, the mm-hmm. sexual essence, that doesn't mean anything. I'm talking like we're two blobs of light, you know, I'm a blob of, of light pre, right. pre-birth. Mm-hmm. A pre-birth. Yeah, we're, we're going way back, way going back. Way back. She asked me for my origin story. Yeah, oh, <laughs> um, and I thought that was really fascinating that like there's this pull towards the family that we 
drop into and that there's a connector point with the, the parent of the opposite sexes. Karma in regards to their kind of sexuality, and I had never heard that. And I, I mean, the Tibetan Buddhists—they're—they're they're mystical, far out as fuck, so wild, and so many amazing um, ideas and theories, which you get to choose if you find interesting or not. Anyway, mm-hmm. my father's Brazilian, and um, and uh, I incarnated into to a family with Brazilian father and American mother, and my mom. Um, was on a spiritual path, even though she grew up in the South. And she took me to my first spiritual teacher when I was 12 in Tennessee. He's an incredible man. He's written some books. His name's Bobby Drennan. He's passed on now. Um, but he was the first, um, he was the awakener for me when I was quite young, who taught me about the laws of karma, um, about my auric field, about chakras, um, about that life was a series of soul classrooms and I was either going to fail or graduate from each one of them. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Hearing that at the age of 12. I don't think I understood it till maybe yeah, like, 18, the- but I was still like, but wait, but who, who's going to ask me out to the dance? You know, still like, he was like, let me tell right. you. <laughs> life is a series of soul classrooms. Yeah. And so that really supported me from a young age to, um, to feel, uh, okay, this human journey that I'm on isn't so much about like where I'm going, what I can get, what I can accumulate, but was more about what I can transform, what I can, um, release, what I can graduate from. And, um, I think when I was about 19, I started practicing meditation and I started studying Eastern traditions, specifically yogic traditions. I was able to, to really kind of alchemize that understanding a little bit more. Mm. And I lived with a, with a yogic community in Italy for a little while, which was really magical. And simultaneously at that time, I was discovering earth-based and, and goddess traditions and kind of trying to um, create a, a reckoning between these Eastern traditions that I found to be so potent and so wise. Um, and I was wondering why that women and women's bodies and women's sexuality weren't allowed or they weren't sort of celebrated in those traditions. And so it was, it was interesting because a part of me at a young age could feel this sort of split between the spiritual and sexual self, at least for my own karmic path karmic life like that was a part of it which probably part of what i chose my father and if that theory really um holds true that that high rinpoche wrote um, yeah. but that um because my father grew up in a catholic culture and he had a lot of uh, he still does he's 80 and he's just bought a maserati he hello a, dad hello dad he was a flight attendant his whole life so it's not like he's some like big you know rich mm-hmm. brazilian i mean it's relatively speaking now yeah. he is i suppose he has a maserati <laughs> but he's still oh. brimming with life force he's still yeah. so fucking alive and passionate when my when my partner and i were just there a few months ago he will eat a piece of chocolate and go, oh, my God, this is orgasmic. Oh, my God, you have to taste this chocolate. It is incredible. <laughs> and he loves women and he will never give up on, on like his passion for women. He's 80 
and he looks like he's 65. So I feel like there is probably a kindred spiritness in my soul that was like, oh, we both have this same um, passion for life, for being alive, for celebration. What, what my karma, where things went further for me is like, but, and there's a huge shadow to that. So let's, let's reckon mm-hmm. with that in this lifetime. Let's look and feel into that shadow and the pendulum swing between this is holy and sacred and good. And this is bad, profane, wild, and, you know, all of that. Wow. Yeah. And so I think that's been a part of my life thesis. <laughs> totally. Is kind well, of walk, walking that line. I can just, you know, it's so amazing. Um, just as you're speaking about your father, I can like just feel his energy. Yeah. Oh, and I hated him for most of my life, (laughs) which makes sense. You know, if something in me kind of like there, there was a, there was, there was something deep, um, kind of between us, but, and, and, you know, there, it was, he wasn't an easy man because he was angry at my mother when they got divorced. So he took it out on me. Mm. Um, but now we, I've done so much healing around him. And what I always tell people is like, I mean, this is, this may be obvious, but I didn't ask him to change. I tried doing that right for many years, change, 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 Mm -hmm. change, listen to me, validate me, see me, celebrate me, whatever. Mm -hmm. What I did was I changed my position in, in, in relation to him. And then there was peace and love between us and our relationship completely healed. And I had hated this man. Some of the things that came out of his mouth my whole life are too terrible to say anywhere except in mm-hmm. one or two, you know, very safe people. Yeah. And did I ask him to stop being, you know, racist, homophobic, sexist, misogynistic? Uh, no, I didn't ask him to do any of that. He still is. And I have, I love him so much. Funny enough, when I started not trying to change him or be mad at him, he stopped being as much of an asshole. When you just stop participating in the whole feedback loop. Exactly. The pattern, it's just, right, then- you're in the loop together. Exactly. Somebody has to say like, no. And I think sometimes when you're a person, especially if it's a family member, can also happen yeah. with friends, super, mm-hmm. super, super easy. Somebody has to say, no, I'm no longer going to just go, just live in this feedback loop in this pattern. Right. One of us has to see, hey, we're in a loop. I have this res- residual complaint or disappointment or judgment, and totally. I keep giving it to you. And then you respond like this. And it just keeps going back and forth like a ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such a beautiful practice to, with love, say, oh, I here's what do I need to do in order to get out of this pattern in order to like literally say no to it? It's like saying no to a you know, some sort of like an evil poison that's just like, <laughs> come here, come back. I want you. Yeah. It's just like, no. Um, and I had two of my best friends who happen to be related. Um, we were in a pattern for a while and I was in a similar complaint with both of them, a similar pattern. Mm. And I had to take space from both of them at the same time, which is painful, heartbreakingly yeah. painful. But I was like, I don't like who I am in this pattern. It's so 
ew, it's so gross to be always like asking you to be something different or to behave differently. Mm-hmm. I need to either just accept you as you are, but I'm not able to right now because I'm triggered. I keep getting triggered. So I need to go clean up my side of the street and come back and see if I can just accept you as you are instead of trying to ask you to do something differently. And I did. Oh. I unhooked. But it was painful. Maybe maybe two, three months. We didn't speak. Yeah. It was heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. I I missed them so much because I love them so much. And that's why every time that they were late or um, canceled on plans, which was our particular hook, part of why I would feel so disappointed and and sad and abandoned is just like I had my own wound around it because I loved them. And I would just, it would just touch on this abandonment. And I was like, it's really not about, them they're just helping me to see this ongoing residual you know Mm -hmm. kind of wound pattern now i'm like "Mm, i just i love you guys even when you're late and now they're not late anymore because i wasn't the only one complaining (laughs) 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 Yeah. yeah well i think it's wow that's so powerful to like actually take a break and be like, I'm going to like get sober over here. Yep. Like with myself, you know, like not participate in this codependent pattern and then actually be able to clearly see it and come back. Yeah. Yeah. How often do we really like, we just don't give our, we're not in the practice of giving ourselves that much space yeah. Compassion to, to take responsibility and like work ourselves out. Yeah. And it's easier to blame someone else. If you would only be on time, then I wouldn't be on upset. Everything would be fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so, it's like, no, it's perfect that they're not on time because you get to see where you're hooked into this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for everybody that level of kind of pra- pra- practice, but uh, no, it is, it is not. I mean, my thing for years was like, I'm going to take like 93% responsibility. Mm. Like I'm taking responsibility. They should be taking responsibility too. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. 93% like, no. that's so true. That's missing the whole game. I know. And it's so sneaky, right? And the other person can feel it. It's like, mm. It's like, yeah. oh, what would you like to own on your side of the street? Oh, God. And in the minute you say that, nobody wants, they don't, they're no not going to. No one's interested in that conversation. No, 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 no. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, I just um I'm so present to the to the freedom there, you know, um yeah. as you're as you're talking through that and just all the little places where we like imprison ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in resent in holding resentment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to do a little bit of that that kind of martial art while energetic martial art while in relationship without leaving it. Cause I'm like, okay, yeah. if I had to like, some of the patterns are too deep and it's like, you need some space cause they're mm-hmm. so hooky. Um, but there's, there's a few right now. I'm like, can I change this pattern while staying in relationship to this, this person? Um, 
And obviously there's big ones and small ones. Um, And I'm trying to practice that. And it's like, it's definitely harder. It's like, it's like you have to maintain such clear awareness because the pattern is, is essentially a part of a blind spot usually, you know, cause you've been just accepting like, Oh, I just, that always just really bothers me, you know, and they must be wrong. They should be on time. So it's like, you have to go, Oh wait, Alexandra, you're in a blind spot where you're complaining, judging, creating expectations and sometimes I don't think we can see a blind spot where while we're like in it in it yeah but yeah totally no I don't know I guess that's my edge of growth right now it's like can mm -hmm. I change the pattern while still being in 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 the relationship relationship yeah well I'm and I'm I'm curious um like in your um in your partnership yeah. Um, how, you know, how, how this, and maybe that's, you know, part of the relationship you're referring to, but sort of like how this, um, how this plays out, you know, how you actually, um, how you find your way, find your way through, like, let me, let my partner feel me. And I also got to own my shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's like, mm-hmm. like anger and just all of that. Like, I know that you're a woman who's so committed to like, you know, being felt in yeah. the world and like not dumping on your yeah. partner. And, and I'll, I'll just own, right. This is a growth like practice for me right now too. I'm like, I don't, you know, um, just learning a lot about this. So I'm curious to hear yeah. your perspective on how you um, how you navigate that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I actually handle it a little bit differently than I do mm-hmm. with family and friends. Yeah. Um, part of it is my partner and I have been together way less time than me and my family or me and my best friends. So our sort of at least in human time, this life, but right. <laughs> our patterns are a little bit less entrenched. Some of the patterns that are difficult for me now are only difficult for me now because they were created when I was at a different level of awareness and consciousness. And so that is interesting because now it's like, oh, I've outgrown this, but the relational field is still used to it. It's like a groove. With my partner, we've been together a year and a half, and I feel like we've been really clean and clear since the offset. Now, that being said, we're not perfect. So there's definitely there's definitely patterns and dynamics that occur. Um, I'm just way more weak to them than, say, the patterns with my parents or some of my best friends that I've been friends with for 10 or 20 years or five years even. Right. Um, So with him, I also bring my best practice. So because we live together, because I really want us to continue on being together for a long time, I am willing to um, uh, to give it my best practice, you know, and I feel like there's only so many places in our in our life, in our lives where we can where we have the capacity to practice that closely to our edge or close to our capacity. And I tried to explain this. One of my friends was telling me, she was like, yeah, there's these science, there's some, some scientific study that says, you know, when you get into a a romantic relationship that 1.5 friends that were in your inner circle get bumped out 
like that you really don't have the space and who knows but this is yeah um, that's so interesting that's interesting 1.5 <laughs> yeah but that you're you don't have the in, the intimate capacity to hold or the, the capacity to hold as much intimacy um in in your kind of close proximity so um it's almost like who are you going to invest that level of that practice level. in attention yeah. attention is a great way of putting it and this happened to me so one of my friends who we had we did take that little space he and i sat one day and he said how do i know if this relationship is worth putting this much attention or energy into and i remember we were at um peace food cafe near union square in new york and um and i go you know you you just you've got to decide that i can't decide that for you and he's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I knew he was worth putting that much attention into. And that we also just had like a karmic kind of like fire underneath us together. Like we have, a, we've known each other a long time. And, and so in that regard, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to put this attention, even though we, we have a little bit more conflict or a little bit more, um, you know, little kerfuffles between us. I'm willing to, to stay with it. Right. Mm -hmm. There are only so many places, I think, in our lives that we can stay with it that deeply. You know, like and say something. Yeah, because when there's deep intimacy, what you're really saying is like you're inviting in someone's core wounds, their childhood wounds and needs that are still unmet, that are running through them. You're inviting in their habitual patterns of loving, of relating, of expressing or not expressing. You're inviting in their um, nervous system patterns like fight, flight, you know, uh, freeze, etc. So you're agreeing to be in relationship with 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 this you know buffet of different things right that word earlier i love Buff, it buffet we're just you used to buffet here yeah yeah a lot of it's, it's the word of the day yes. um and so it's like we think on the surface oh let's be friends let's hang but if we're really consciously approaching a relationship and we're really going gonna go deep with someone it's like okay i'm about to get in in bed with your really painful shutdown response. Yeah. So anytime that I express, wow, that really hurt my feelings, then I may experience that, you know, and I may have to kind of suffer that. And there's kind of, I think, different levels of intimacy and, and being the romantic partnership, because I think it has the propensity to heal some of these childhood wounds or at least meet them and say hi girl um hi girl. Yeah. <laughs> then we we maybe stay with it longer and then you add on the societal kind of pressures and reasons why one should be in a relationship or maybe get married so and from a spiritual standpoint you have your own kind of ideas well i really want to be in a spiritual partnership whatever so there's those different levels of why the stakes are higher or the um investment may be higher in a romantic partnership versus a friendship Right. You know? Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, if you, regardless if you want to be in a romantic partnership because you, you want to live your like dream Barbie and Ken life and like have the house and the car and the, the cute little family, whether it's that or whether you want to just be deeply held and met and love and 
or whether you're, you know, on a path of spiritual awakening and you're so ready to like sit in the fires of relating together with another human, whatever your reason is, it's fine. Right. Um, and I think that keeps us invested in the deeper levels of intimacy that require more clarity, awareness, clean up my side of the street, show up to this pattern, Mm -hmm. often in real time, scrambling to see clearly, you know, get the muck out of my eyes and the stakes are much higher, but I think the practice yields a lot, um, a lot more, um, almost uh, faster results. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like a, it's like a faster transformational vehicle. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's, you know, the thing that that has me get present to is just the power of really deciding together what you're actually committed to in relationship, right? Is it like, oh yeah, I sort of want like a transactional Ken and Barbie sort of thing. Okay. Then like, let's do that. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, if you're, if you're really all in on having like a wake up relationship, you know, you both have to be like on the same page that that is what you're like the future that you're speaking into. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just be aware of the amount of um, of work or practice that it will take because all those micro moments from the like, they didn't do this, or I didn't like the, what they did this, or I want more of this, or why couldn't they just do this or whatever. All of those are little gateways to your beautiful patterns or shadows or whatever. And if you don't see them as such, then maybe you're not in a partnership that's kind of aiming towards that um, transformational awakening model, if you will. But if you are, then it's like, oh, great, cool. I'm feeling upset right now. Is this about him? Or is this about my unmet childhood need again? Oh, cute. Is you know? Yeah. So, you know, and being willing to like, to eat that humble pie again and again. Yeah, totally. (sighs) And what are some of your favorite, um, like embodied ways to work through resentment? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Cause it's everywhere ladies, like just look in every nook and cranny it's everywhere. Right. Um, And so it could be resentment, it could be frustration, it could be yeah. disappointment, right? Like I think people, different people have different flavors of these, mm-hmm. um, of these responses or reactions, depending. Um, one thing that I love to do, which I have learned from the um, David Data and John Wineland kind of lineage, um, and the polarity and um, partner work, is. Um, deeply animating and embodying that um, shadow pattern, or they would call it maybe a first stage pattern through that um, lineage definition or whatever. But you could just call it embodying that that thing you don't like, right? So embodying your resentment, um, frustration, whatever it is, disappointment. I'm always disappointed. You're always disappointing me. Like, or whatever your thing is. De- putting on a timer 
you can do this by yourself or if you want to amp up the heat you can do it with a with a friend or a practice partner mm-hmm. um, not your partner well unless I you guys are doing a practice together, together and and yeah. that actually that actually could be amazing but you guys have to be in a consensual consensual practice together where right instead of you leaking this tiny complaint or resentment all the time that you you say hey do you have the space to just witness my ongoing resentment Mm-hmm. You put on a timer for, I don't know, one to three minutes. Maybe you put on a song and you animate it fully. What, like, what is yours, your ongoing resentment? Oh, my. One of your majors. Um, ooh, it's a good question. It's like when he takes, like, anytime he, I can feel his attention off of me and I, like, want attention, you know, and I, I think, like, oh, I should be receiving attention right now. Why the, like, he like just interrupted me. What the fuck? Right. Like, okay. So then for that one, I would put on a timer or whatever. And I would take a minute to three minutes and I would just like go fully like, look at me, look at me, look at me. Stop looking at everybody, look at me. You know, and I would do it in my full body, arms, legs, stomping feet, Mm -hmm. punching pillows, like, and I would go for it fully, fully, fully at home in practice. Don't do this in public. Um, yeah. This is for a practitioner. Um, yeah. And and then just quiet and feel. Close your eyes and quiet and feel after. Uh, uh. Hmm. And then the next question would be. How would I how would I transform this into a gift? And this kind of plays also off the gene keys, which I love, and they've been oh, a big yes. part of my life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how do you take a shadow pattern in your body, right. transform it into the gift, and then into the city, you know, into the superpower. Mm-hmm. So if your little resentment is like, meh, 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 meh. I'm yeah. so re- I'm so annoyed that you're looking, you're not paying attention to me. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. You know, and then you're like, how can I turn this into a gift? Like. Oh, oh. Ah, ah, right. Like something. It doesn't have, we try to keep it out of the verbal. And then how could I turn this into my superpower? And then that may be like you, like all of a sudden doing this wild dance and like putting this music on and like you create this woman who is, no one could not pay attention to her. Right. <laughs> but she's coming from a different place. There's no pout. There's no resentment. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just I mean, that's just like a little bit of a an example. Um, and I think that, you know, it's funny. I've been doing this with with myself and with it, with some of the women that I work with um, in a group that we practice and we um, I do a group coaching with them. And it's so cathartic and it feels so good to actually fully embody the the thing that our, our closure or our pain or our resentment or our disappointment or whatever it is. Because it then it's not just living inside you where you're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just feeling a little bit resentful today because every time we have dinner, he's like, I don't know, he's just not paying attention. You know, instead, right? It's just like you let it possess you. Mm-hmm. Like you're being fully possessed by the force <laughs> of the resentment. And yeah. you give it a timeline. You're not like doing that all day, three minutes, whatever. And then- yeah. There's a catharsis there. There's an embodied um, alchemy that happens of like, by going into this through my body, 
I actually can feel it start to move. And mm. I feel like most people then can can change it into something else or at least practice that. Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out like in the moment, it's a little harder. And in the moment right. you might go, mm, I really, but you might just have an increase in awareness and you might feel like, oh, that Alexander was talking about this, about how I could transform this moment, and not go into my residual pattern of resentment. Nah, I want to stay in resentment. Me, 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 me. Um, so, but even then, you you've made a progress because you at least are having some awareness. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe next time you'll be able yeah. to not just embody mm-hmm. the resentment, but mm-hmm. embody something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's really practice oh. from the David Data lineage, giving the, giving yeah. the, those humans credit over there. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, yeah, I love, I love that. Um, cause this is just something I see in the way for so many women, mm-hmm. you know, and like the, I think when they start to realize, oh, like all of the resentment they've been carrying around for years and years and years and years, right. You know, just the unpacking of that is such a big deal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. There's so many directions we could go, but I think <laughs> one of the, um, one of the last things I want to touch on is, um, rituals. Like mm. when I, when I think about you, I'm like, oh, I just know they're like, mm. I can feel this, like, uh, deep divine connection and, mm. um, like a sacredness. Mm. And so I would just love for you to share about, yeah, just the role of rituals in your life and, you know, where you are with it now and, you know, just anything that you, that feels up for you. Yeah. Well, I think for many of us, we were born into Western kind of, um, civilization. If you're American, (laughs) um, We weren't necessarily born into, and I'm speaking like very generally here, if you're born into the United United States, if you come from an immigrant family or traditional family or an indigenous family, um, even a, you know, an African family or an African family that still has its heritage, African-American, whatever. There are many exceptions. Um, And there is like a greater American vibe that is very devoid of the sacred mm-hmm. uh, in terms of a lifestyle, right? I'm not saying in terms of necessarily a people, but in terms of a lifestyle and a culture. Right. So it's interesting to incarnate in a country, live in a country where the rituals are, you know, Black Friday or going to the mall or going to the movies. Or, um, you know, like the accepted daily rituals, gym, going to the gym. Um, but when we when we're thinking of what are the sacred rituals of the American person, it's like, what are they? A pledge allegiance to the motherfucking flag. That's the ritual that we learned as American children. That was the ritual, right? Because the government removed God, even though the 
dollar bill setting God we trust, which is kind of ambiguous. I'm like, guys, you guys are trying to take religion out, but you left it on the dollar bill. What's that about? (laughs) What's that about? I mean, um, so it's like you need a pledge to a flag. Basically, you're bowing to a flag, right? You're bowing to this uh, whatever. I'm not trying to get uber political, but you're bowing to this, you know, colonial capitalist colonizer, whatever. So I'm just saying that we were taught, maybe you grew up in a Christian church and so you went into some of those rituals. Maybe you're Jewish, has some ritual there. But a lot of people don't have rituals as part of the culture, right? A lot of people, there may be some rituals in the family unit around holidays or around dinner, or maybe you pray before dinner. But for us as grownups now, we get to decide, wow, what kind of rituals am I engaging with? And when I say ritual, it is an act, a physical act that you're doing again and again, that you can either imbue with consciousness Mm. and imbue with reverence and devotion, or there's casual rituals like brushing our teeth, which I don't really think of as much, even though it's like a daily hygiene ritual, (laughs) but I'm talking about, but So rituals give us an opportunity for transformation because things that are happening on the inside of us get to be mirrored externally. So the inside and the outside get to come together in this kind of magical act. Mm -hmm. But if our mind is not present, we're not really fully conscious during the process of creating a ritual, then again, it's like magic or... Um, transformation will only kind of meet you where you you meet it, essentially, I believe. Um, so we get to choose as adults here now, what are my sacred rituals? Does my home have ritual? Does my the way that I enter my home have a ritual? Does the way that I go to bed or wake up have ritual? My culture didn't give these to me. Some cultures have them. Some cultures have them and they've held them and they've preserved them. There are rituals. You can look across many African countries, many Asian countries. There are rituals for everything, right? It's like you wake up, you do this, you pray, you take your shoes off, you bow, you this. You're you're constantly letting your body and your actions and your movements create an energetic structure around you is so powerful Mm -hmm. and so we get to decide what they are now it's like okay do i have a ritual for when i enter my home do i have like you know um do i do i spray something do i leave my shoes at the door do i take my street clothes off and put on something else do i light a candle in the first thing in the morning to symbolize my entry into the day do i shower or bathe to release the day um you get to put put the intention into it or not, whatever it is. And so your life can be full of casual moments where you're sort of like half present, thinking about what you're doing later, looking at your phone, or your life can be full of these moments of intentional creation where your awareness, your mind is fixated on the act. So your mind awareness and your body presence come together. And that's magical because if your body is doing the thing, but your mind is all over town thinking about, oh my gosh, this macrame thing over here. I don't know if I like that anywhere. You know, it's like you can be thinking of a million things. Yeah. So 
I think that rituals are part of us holding the sacred thread with life that started when we were born and that will end when we die. And that rituals kind of hold that thread between life and death, between us and others, between us and God, goddess divine, between us and earth. But without that, you may be like, eh, yeah, the earth really a bummer that things are shits hitting the fan. But you haven't you haven't been creating and a holding a thread between you and Earth. Right. When you go into nature, you're not leaving a gift or saying a prayer or singing a song. You're not doing. You're not you know giving back in some way or maybe even donating to an organization as a ritual with your you know love, your heart, your time, your sweat, your money. So there's just so many ways that we can bring ritual into our lives, and it's like. I don't think there's when people are like, what, what's a ritual for this or that? I kind of feel like it's like you have to feel into your life and what you need, where there's kind of like holes in your um, reverence, <laughs> you know, like, right. Like, holes where is in your reverence? Yeah. It's like, where's there a black hole where you're like, mm, I haven't really tended to that part of my reality in a while, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's such a. Um, it's just such a, an attention practice. It is. Yeah, it is because your awareness in your mind has to really stay present. And I see, and I hear, and I know, and people do all kinds of moon rituals and this and that, but you just doing the act without that devoted, devoted heart and clear mind it may or may not like actually hold weight for you. So I always, I feel like finding the thing that activates your heart is really important. Do you know? It's like, Ooh, um, wow. When I look at the color red and I see a bunch of red roses, something in my heart goes, Ooh. And so I know to, um, engage to that, that putting them in my home or on my altar actually engages my heart. Right. Or like, you know, there's, it's like engaging different forces of magic, different forces of energy. So I think that engaging the heart is really important to stay invested. And that's where devotion comes in and prayer and um, desire even. And like, okay, I I had like a client who's doing altar practice every day at the altar of love every day for a hundred days coming to the altar of love because there's this desire for love to arrive to her life she kept doing it right you know and so there that that there's that is enough of a sacred thread of yearning yearning is an energy that pulls us towards something so using the energy of the heart to get yourself invested in um in different moments Oh, yeah. I mean, we could talk for a whole other hour just about yearning as the energy that pulls us towards something. <laughs> it really works, though. I think it creates yeah. like a little rainbow bridge of fire, like rainbow with little fire on the side, like uh, just like soars you towards something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Totally. Well, and this is, I think, the thing that so many women are unwilling to give to themselves. Uh. Like, just like let yourself yearn for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you stand a chance of actually having it. Yeah, so true. Oh, 
Okay. So good. Oh my gosh. So many gems. Oh, thank you. We are already at the end. Mm. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just so appreciative. And I, you know, part of the reason I just do this show quite frankly, is because I get all these reminders, Mm. like I just hear the right thing at the right time. And, um, so yeah, I'm really, um, I just feel really touched, especially this conversation about ritual, and mm. like the mundane moments, how we can just bring devotion. Yeah. Just because. And just remembering our life is moving fast and we get to make the moments special, gorgeous, beautiful, smell good, look good, taste good, feel good, you know, or not. And not saying they all need to feel good at all, but we get to create the magic, at least in our own homes, bathrooms, bedrooms, you know, like. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. Well, as we, um, as we start to wrap up, um, what would you like to share about where people can find you and how to stay connected and just anything about your work that's coming up that you want people to know about? Well, um, you can find me, my website's alexandraroxo.com and my Instagram's alexandraroxo. I have a mailing list. I also have a Substack, stack, Alexandra Roxo, that I'm, I'm writing a, about a once a month essay right now. And um, my book, if you don't have it, is a great place to Get start. It. And it's, you know, available everywhere books are sold. Um and I think that that that's pretty that's it for now. Yeah, get my book, get on my email list. We'll get connect. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so oh, much. Oh, and I have a podcast too. It's oh, called yeah. Holy We're, Fuck. Holy fuck, right? Yep. So oh, also subscribe to my podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> like with a name like that, I mean, come on. <laughs> so gorgeous. Well, thank you so much, Alexandra. Mm. See you next time, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in today. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone in your life and pop on over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. I'm so committed to more people custom creating their sex, relationships, and lives from desire. And this podcast is a big part of that. If you have ideas for the show or want to learn more about working with me as a coach, head on over to my Instagram at Kaylin McDuff or my website, kaylinmcduff.com. See you next time.